Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the Doc and Son podcast, which is hosted by yours truly, my dad, Dr. Joaquin Barbara, a.k.a. The Doc, and me, his son, Santiago Barbara, a.k.a. Son. Thank you very much for tuning in. <sighs> well, my dad is not here right now, but he is in the house upstairs with my mom and they are both taking crap out of their their closets and piling into boxes and they're just scattering it all over the floor and the beds and everywhere even in the hallway which i can't even like get out of my like walk when i get out of my room and it really irritates and agitates me and they just love doing it but anyway, I'm not here to I'm not here to rant or be all uh, Alvi Singer to you people because I have on our fifteenth official guest and she's right next to me and I'd like you I'd like you guys to meet her. Would you like to introduce yourself, fifteenth official guest, to the people? listening if there even are people listening to this well let's hope they are um i'm miriam miriam who miriam cooperman and what do you do miriam cooperman oh i am a jack of all trades master of none <laughs> master of none i i have a background in film and television and theater and performing arts and i'm currently working in the health industry so a little bit of everything <sighs> so yeah uh just so people know, Miriam is a family friend of uh, of the family, and she is the sister of like another family friend of ours, Cynthia Cooperman, who is uh, John Cooperman's wife. And I'm also friends with their, uh, well, we're, I guess we're acquaintances, mutual acquaintances with their sons, Nico and Tomas Cooperman, and their daughter, Valentina Cooperman. I would say that we are more than friends. I think that we are almost like family, right? Exactly. What is your role uh, as a, a family friend of us? I feel like I'm like your mom's sister in a way. So that makes you my nephew. Really? Because mm -hmm. if I will be your aunt, you're my nephew. Hmm. By yeah. choice. Not by blood, but by choice. And uh, what do you see, like, uh, your relationship with my sister, Mariana? My other niece. You two get along splendidly. Yes. And she gets along splendidly with your niece, Valentina. That's correct. And who I thought all these years... But you know what? What? Valentina really loves you. That's very hard to believe. Mm-hmm. She always says, Santi. <laughs> I thought her mind wasn't working properly. Well, you know, she has her issues, but she really loves you. Yeah, she has her issues because she is like the same age as Tomas, only she's stuck in an infant's body. She's now our little princess. She will always be our little princess. What <laughs> is it that she has... I think it's for another podcast, but yes, we can talk about it another time. 
come on. I just... Uh, Alright. Anyway, um... What do I want to say? How long have, uh... My, has my family known your, your family? Ooh, I think that you were, like, three years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I remember that. Yes, for sure you remember that. <laughs> yeah, but mostly I remember being around Cynthia and John and Nico and Tomas. Right, know? because when you were little, I would only come here twice a year. I was living in California. Yeah, in the biz uh, working in the business. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was working in theater over there. So I would come here two or three times a year, and that's when I would see you. And every time I came over, you would have grown another, you know. Good. I mean, you're so tall. <laughs> I would always be, I would always be hanging with your family, going to have barbecues over, mm -hmm. like watching something on your big screen TV, and uh, playing with uh, your late dog Lucy. Oh, do you remember Lucy? That is wonderful. How could I not forget Lucy? She was so, she was amazing. What a wonderful dog. I think you need to introduce the third person. I mean, the third member of the podcast. Oh, she will be coming down no. soon. <laughs> I'm talking the one I have in my arms. Ah, oh, yeah, our dog, Duke. That's your dog, not mine. That's what I said, our dog, Duke. Your dog, Duke. And if we were to describe Duke, what would we say? I think I talked about him before. He's a King Charles Cavalier. So what I would say right now, he's a four months old. Yeah, Still born May thirteenth. He's brown and white. He has freckles on his nose, fur on his nose, and his obsession right now is with giving you kisses. So he's the cutest thing. Oh, and hear very well when someone is. How could you tell? About the freckles? No, no. He, uh, he's got good hearing. Because. When yeah, yeah, I know. Dogs have good hearing. That's no, no, no. Did you notice just now? Someone cough upstairs, and he's going, alert. That means that he's hearing. Well, my dog, I have a Dalmatian, yeah. and she's fully deaf, so she cannot hear anything. Pixie? No, Pixie, Avalon. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You have twin Dalmatians. Those were Luke and Leia, and the next Oh, one, Luke and Leia, right. Yeah, and the one that I have now, Avalon, she's deaf. So Wait, she has she been deaf like that? Like she was born deaf, yeah. She's uh, two years old now. Hmm. But can she still function regular, normal, like a normal dog? She's a normal dog in the sense that, you know, you had to use signs to teach her commands. Um, but she's actually better at responding and behaving than... Avalon? Than other hearing dogs that I know. <laughs> yes. Well, um, was, uh, let me ask, because, uh... Lucy was the Cooperman family dog. She was a Labrador. She was amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. I love golden dogs. And what's the name of the new dog that they have? Morty. Morty. He's a pit bull. <laughs> no. He's a Frenchie. <laughs> oh, a French bulldog. <laughs> yes. He's a tiny little Frenchie. Is he almost as, as, on the same level as cuteness as Duke? Oh, yes. He's very cute. And I can understand, like, how long have you had Morty? <laughs> Stop kissing. And she's Duke is climbing on Miriam's shoulder right now. He's thinking he's my scarf. <laughs> really? 
Well, usually that's cats. That's a cat. He's behaving like a cat right now. Cats are cats. No, no. There's a total opposite. Cats hate people. Oh, depends a cat. I had a cat once. Yeah. Wait. What? Yes, a long time ago, back in New Zealand. He used to be called Gatito. 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 Little cat. What kind of a cat was he? He was very tiny. He was feral, and he was fully black and he had three white hairs on his chest <laughs> so I knew it was mine because of the three white hairs you don't remember head. what type of cat he was he was like feral per- he was feral yeah feral was that like a, like a from, a, from Asia or like Fer- feral means that he is not a breed and he was born um, outside from a cat that was not raised in a home so usually feral cats tend to be smaller because they don't have a lot of nutrition when they're born so he was he was the size of Luke of Duke. He was very tiny. Wait. Yeah. Okay, Duke, you go downstairs. Yes, good boy. <laughs> and uh, I know that Lucy passed away like recently. Yeah. When did she pass? I think it was no, it was a few years back. Yeah, like three four years. Ago. Three four years ago. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, when did you get Morty? Morty was two years ago. Hmm. Because it's two and a half now. Uh, and now we got we got her. What? Two years ago too, because she just turned two. What you can hear too is. Pigs. Wait, did you say who's two years old too? I don't know. I, wait a second. I thought it was Pixie. No, Pixie was the famous Egyptian Dalmatian that I was fostering. Um, she was like four or five, and she was with me only like three or four months, and then she got adopted. Oh, because that's the other thing I do. I do foster for Dalmatians. Just Dalmatians? Mm-hmm. No, any other type no, of because, dog breed? Because I work with um, with Dalmatian rescues of Florida. Oh. So when they have a when they bring a dog that needs help, you know. Not so much now because I have adopted Avalon and I live in a small house so I don't have a lot of room for more dogs but um, yes I used to I used to foster and that's why you're confused because I had so many I had Pixie I had Rukalea I had Charlie as well Charlie Charlie was another one that I fostered a Dalmatian yeah yeah there were quite a few um, my first foster was Ollie that was back in California. Ollie. Ollie. So uh, I had all of those, and then when when Avalon arrived, I said, "This is this is the one she's staying. She's not going anywhere." <laughs> she came as a puppy. She was only twelve weeks old, mm. and she was adorable. You met her as, as every, a puppy. Wait, what? I brought her here once. Avalon. Mm-hmm. As a puppy. Wait, her? Oh, I thought I thought it was a male. Avalon is a girl. Oh, I never noticed. Avalon is my little girl. Your little girl. Well, she's not so little because she is. Uh, she's a tall. She's a tall girl. She just turned two. <laughs> she's uh, got me. She showed me a picture of her Dalmatian Avalon and birthday attire. <laughs> His little crown <laughs> with the candles. Uh, yeah. And here she's singing happy birthday. <laughs> Wait, was it her birthday? Yeah, she's just turned two. Oh. 
right. Well, my first vacation was born in New Zealand, where I used to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name was Gordo. Gordo? Gordo. Because as a puppy, it was a ball. It was just like a ball of fat. And uh, when he grew up, he was very tall and skinny. And um, yeah, he was Flaco, not Gordo, but the name stayed. <laughs> Flaco, but no Gordo. No, but the name was Gordo. And I had him for 16 and a half years. And uh, when you, why did you give him up? He passed away. Oh. He, he crossed the rainbow bridge, as they call it, when a dog crosses the rainbow bridges that passed away. And so for me it was a very difficult time because, you know, I had him for 16 and a half years. So I was not sure ready, I was not ready to, to have another dog. So I started volunteering um, with a rescue and um, that's how I started fostering Dalmatians until the right one arrived, which was Avalon. And she looks a lot like Gordon. Yeah, she and Gordo look so much alike because they're Dalmatians. Do you know that no Dalmatian is alike? Exactly alike? How oh, so? Because all the spots are in different places. Some have patches, some are brown, some are black. There's, there's one that is beige and you call it the lemon Dalmatian. There are some that they call it the tricolor Dalmatian because they're brown, black and beige. It's amazing. One thinks that Dalmatians like in the movies, right? But they are quite quite different. Oh, what's Ugh. wrong with the Mr. Duke? <laughs> oh, I love Mr. Yeah, Duke. Duke just sneezed. Duke sneezed and is asking for coming up again. Okay, Dukey. Here you are. Okay, you can give some kisses. Yeah, yeah just do your thing, Doc. Do you know that Gordo auditioned for a show? Gordo auditioned for a show? Yes. A dog show, right? No. Back in back in San Diego, he attended an audition for the Opera of San Diego. They wanted dogs to for they had like a scene in a farm or Did you, you know, say opera? The opera. So that was one of the funniest auditions I attended in my life. So he was given an ID. You know, like he had to stay in front of the wall and they would take a picture of him with his name. And then he had to walk on stage, across the stage, without being scared of the people. And then he had to to sit and lie down. And it was just really funny because there were all these other dogs. And then he didn't get the part because he was too elegant. They needed a farm dog. <laughs> so they got this very hairy dog instead. And I saw the production, I can't remember what opera it was, but I saw the production, it was, it was really fun to see the, the dog in the big scene with everybody on what is supposed to be a farm. Yeah, but Gordo didn't make it. <laughs> didn't get the part. Such a shame. I know, it would have been funny. He and maybe Luke, Leia, and Avalon and Pixie, maybe they would have made, they would have passed. That was so funny. That was, that was the second audition he did. The first audition was back in New Zealand. It was for a commercial. And he was supposed to be like, I was driving and he was supposed to be sitting next to me, looking at the front. But he was a puppy and he just wouldn't stop. 
<laughs> sit still. He was just like all over the place. So we flunked that audition <laughs> big time. He didn't get the part either. So I learned not to audition with guards anymore. You learn never to audition with dogs anymore? With Gordo. Oh, with Gordo. Gordo, yeah. Gordo was too, pl too playful. Yeah. I could understand why. Mm hmm Like this, like what he's doing right now. Yeah, he's just trying to climb up on, on top of my chair. He's so cute. What are you trying to do? Uh, I don't know. I can't speak for him. Okay, you talk to him. For him. Hi, Dukey. What are you trying to do? Trying to climb up, up climb up upon the chair. Why? Uh, I just want to. <laughs> you have to do the hands. All oh, right. So he cannot do it with you. So he's trying to come over here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What? What is it? You want to ask something? Oh yeah. No. You said, well, first, how long have you been, like, breeding or whatever, Dalmatians? Fostering since 2016. So 2016. What, where did you get the idea to do that? When Gordo passed, I didn't want to have the, another dog because I was so, so sad. I didn't want to go through the whole thing again. So I decided that. Fostering was a way of looking after dogs that needed help. Do you uh, foster them from a specific shelter? Yeah, um, one in California, and the one that here is a Dalmatian Rescue of South Florida. And they're always looking for people that want to foster. Always. There's always a dog arriving from <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Pixie? Pixie was from Egypt. Egypt. She was found roaring the streets in Egypt. Look and Leia where you remember them they were half Dalmatian half Datsun and they were rescued from the um, meat market in Korea remember that they meat market in Korea they eat them oh they eat dogs they eat dogs so someone in Korea who loves Dalmatian rescued them and the Dalmatian rescue brought them here and I fostered them for like five months until they found a home they, have, they are in a beautiful home now then Charlie, oh, that Charlie's story was very sad. Her mom, her mom passed away, and the mom's boyfriend gave it to the rescue instead of taking care of her. Wait, mom's boyfriend? Yeah, the the woman who owned Charlie. Oh, I thought you meant the the dogs. No, no, the the human mom, the human person that took that was looking after. Her. It's like something happened with with you and. Instead of someone in your family taking care of Duke, take him to the rescue. That poor dog, she was so sad. But she found she found a home too. And then here's Avalon. Yeah, what did you look uh, Avalon, Luke and Leia and uh, Pixie. Are your most recent donations? Yes. Yeah. Are they living with you? No, no, no. They all got adopted. Oh. Yeah. Well, the only one that I have now is Avalon. Okay. Well, I'm sure things are going well with you and uh -huh. her. Miss Adopted. Yeah, she's not foster. She's mine. Yeah. <laughs> my precious. Yeah, you're precious. <laughs> she's my precious. Ah, precious. Something I want to get into right now. Ooh. <laughs> and that is uh, 
Miriam happens to be associated with the Hollywood business, right? Was it film? Yeah, yeah. What about television too? Too. Hollywood is just a small part of the film industry, and the film industry right now is... And that was three years ago when I discovered it. When you were interested in film, and you started asking questions, and I told you about my story. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Miriam here, she used to be assistant to the choreographer for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? I was assistant choreographer for... The first one, The Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie of the trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. And I work on the um, Bilbo Baggins birthday party dance. <laughs> Wait. The Hobbit dance. The Hobbit dance, so like the, the party scene mm -hmm. in like the beginning of the film? That one. You did that? Those um, are your moves? Some are mine, but. The choreographer was Shauna McCullough, you know, one of the most brilliant careers. John McCullough? Shauna. Shauna McCullough. Shauna McCullough. Yeah, she's one of the most brilliant choreographers I worked in. Um, and she, that was her choreography, and, and then she needed an assistance, and I came over, and we worked together, and it was just wonderful teaching those hobbits to dance. <laughs> and uh, what else has Miss McCullough do? Done. What else has she done? King Kong. The choreography for King Kong for mm -hmm. Naomi Watts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her dance moves. Yes, and, and her the tap dancing. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, when when Kong goes to New York, that natives do that dance on the stage. That is her work as well. She's just uh. and she's one of my idols and a very good friend, and I love her to bits and. It was such a great opportunity, and we will always remember the day we arrived on set, and it was just magical because it was the first, <clears throat> the first time we arrived on set was to Hobbiton, and just was what Hobbiton. Hobbiton. Mm -hmm. what, what's that? That's the the if you see in the movie the little little Hobbit houses. Oh. That's the the village is called Hobbiton. Hobbiton. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was the, the, the name of the, the Hobbit village. Hobbiton. And if you go now to New Zealand... Um, it's still there. A, yes, the, you can do a tour and visit Hobbiton. And it's just it's just magical. It's like you're walking into a complete... You're walking in Tolkien's world. It's just beautiful. So we were like arriving there to work and horses and hobbits. And <laughs> it was just, just beautiful. Let me ask, like, um, well, anything else Miss McCullough's done? Like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Wait, all three of them? No, we only work on the first oh, one right, because right. They are the other two that didn't have any <clears throat> any dancing. Uh, King Kong, which is another Peter um, Jackson. Shona um, has a dance company. She also has some, um, for many years, had an um, Italian agency for dancers called The Human Garden. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of casting for film. She is a very renowned choreographer from uh, contemporary dance, and um, so she has worked in a lot of film, stage, um, yeah, a lot of musicals. So sings from New Zealand, and then internationally, all the Zenas, the oh, 
Xena, warrior, yeah. princess. Yeah. What, what else? Hercules. Hercules? The yeah. show or the movie? The movie, the, the TV show. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, with Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless. And, and uh, what else? Yeah, yeah, Xena, Hercules. I can't remember now. I'll start here. She's, she's got quite a bit. But, um, being the, the choreographer, assistant choreographer for the Fellowship of the Rings, mm-hmm. what was the experience like? Oh my gosh, I had so many stories. I, for me, most important thing was how beautiful everything was, the scale of it, the talent at every level uh, on set, every single person involved, um, from the wig making to the costumes to the makeup, um, the feet <laughs> that all the, all the hobbits were wearing, um, you know, teaching to dance. With regular shoes is one thing, but we're teaching the hobbits to dance when they have the processes on the feet. Yeah, yeah, so a lot big of the, prosthetic feet. Exactly. So a lot of the choreography was based around that. Um, they were of all ages. You know, the youngest was 18, the oldest was 70. So the choreography had to be adjusted for all the ages. And these were real, real people. There were no dancers. There were only four dancers, six dancers. The rest were all... Uh, regular people because that's what Peter Jackson wanted. He wanted people to look like a real village, not like beautiful dancers. And um, and then working with um, Frodo and Sam because they had to learn to to dance as well. So that was that was great. Do you great have experience. any great do you have any fond memories of the cast or the crew? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um Elijah wanted to learn how to salsa. Elijah Wood wanted to dance the salsa? Yes. At the time when we, this is going to be 20 years ago, um, he wanted to learn how to salsa. Salsa was very popular. So during one of the breaks, we went to Australia and I was teaching him how to salsa. And then Sean comes over and says, Oh, I want to learn too. Sean Aston. Sean Aston. So he comes over and so I'm teaching him too. So I standing between the two of them trying to show them how to move the hips like a washing machine and there opens the door of the trailer um mr sir ian mckellen all dressed like gandalf <laughs> and he sees this trio moving hips and he wants he wants in well no actually he goes i want to know what's going on and then he turns around and says, better not and he left <laughs> he was just like i don't know what's going on there but he just left that is one of the funny but ones. He was like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't want to know. It was more like, what's going on in here? Oh, I rather don't know. <laughs> what's going on in here? Oh, I, I rather, rather don't know. I rather don't know. <laughs> that was very funny. Oh, that su- oh, yeah. sucks he didn't get involved. It would have been a really... He would have been... If he had wanted the salsa, it would have attracted him a lot of guys. Listen, there was no room in that trailer for another person, especially with a hat. Okay, so... <laughs> no, but for I know, a lot of guys, because yeah. you know he's gay, right? To each his eyes. <laughs> no, but it was, it was really funny. And also, it was very... Um, the uh, scale of it, you know, like coming from places like New Zealand, that it's very small and... The productions that usually were filmed there before Lord of the Rings, everything was, you know, smaller. Um, 
to go to a place like Miramar Studios, um, Jackson Peter Jackson Studio. I thought that was Wing Nut. It, that's that's one of the productions, but Miramar is the whole studio. The city of Miramar in Wellington is where he has the whole studio. Oh. And um, and go inside and and walk around the set, and they have the the Hobbit halls uh, houses in two different um, dimensions. One for for Frodo and one for Gandalf, and it was just like. You know, walking on those, it was just the proportions, you know, like bigger and smaller for each one for the scale. Um, that was that was incredible. And then part part of the the birthday party was filmed on location in Hobbiton. There was this gigantic tree, and and you know, in the middle of the farmland. And then they reproduced the same tree indoors in the set in the studio. And it looked just like the one that uh, we have done location shots. It was incredible. Um, just the scale of it, it was Hollywood scale that I had never worked at that level, and it was amazing. Yeah. But I met someone. Christopher Lee. I wanted to bring that up because you've, got, you've told me so much that story about Christopher Lee so many times. That is one of my favorite stories. The great Sir Christopher Lee, of course, was Sauron. In the trilogy, Saruman, and in the Star Wars prequel trilogy, he was Count Dooku. That's right, and also he was in some Tim Burton movies too. He was in Sleepy Hollow. But long before that, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Long before that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had such a. He was Dracula. Dracula, one of the original Dracula. And as a kid, watching Dracula movies with Sir Christopher Lee, I could not sleep. I got really scared with that guy. And I'm outside the studio, coming in from, from Oakland to Wellington, I just arriving, and one of the producers says, oh, before I show you around, I want you to meet someone. And this limousine pulls out, and so Christopher Lee comes out, and he says, you know, saying goes, oh, I want you to meet Sir Christopher Lee. Sir Christopher Lee is one of our choreographers, her name is Miriam, and he extends his hand to shake my hand and I look at him like in horror and he because goes, it's Dracula <laughs> because there's no way I'm shaking hand and with Dracula <laughs> and he was really cute and he goes oh let me see did I scare you when you were a child <laughs> oh let me see did I scare you when I was when you were a child yeah, something like that. That, that, that was, that's how he spoke. Right? Uh, a very deep voice. Oh, yeah, I cannot yeah. do that voice. Oh, and uh, but he was he was just such oh, he a, was a gentle a gentleman. Such a like, gentle soul. I mean, yeah, he was in World War Two. He he was I mean, and he was very knowledgeable of that's of all. Tolkien's work, right? So he he knew well the the work. He knew it really well. And um, it was very nice. It was lovely talking to him. Once I stopped being scared. <laughs> yeah, fifth, like seventy years of acting. He has over two hundred acting credits. Jeez. You see, you you know all of that. I don't. I yeah. only know that he was Dracula. <laughs> oh, I hadn't known he was Dracula either. What were some of the Dracula movies that he made? The Dracula. Two thousand eight. I can't remember. No. Like, he must have did a lot of Dracula movies, but I do know that he was in The Wicker Man. 
1973, yeah. Oh, no. The I'm, original, not the one where Nicholas Cage goes, Not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, the bees! So many bees! Oh, <laughs> over the top, my God! No, no, no. The, the original one was from 1973. I, I am not a horror flick person. Nope, definitely not. I am not, so I can tell oh, you. But, oh, guess somebody else joined. Who I wanted to be here since I pr when I pressed the record button. And she's wearing the right hat. Mom. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We were just talking uh, how Miriam, how she taught Elijah Wood and Sean Aston how the salsa. <laughs> no. And the Fellowship way. of the you Ring. Did? And Sir wow. Ian McKellen was like. He wanted no part of what was going on. Okay, let's not repeat what happened, but yes, everybody, hi. It's mom, me, Mom. Uh, you and Miriam have been very close friends. Yes. Because you were best friends with the Coopermans. I love Long time her. friends with the yes. Coopermans, Mom. And, and I wanted to She's hear your sis. side. Okay, well, Miriam is my sis. It's what uh, I just said. Hi, okay. All right, I, well, while you're, while you're explaining, I'm going to get me another cup of coffee. Go ahead, make my day. Uh, while you're there, can I have one? Sure. So, yes, Miriam has been an amazing friend. We've known each other how many years, Miriam, already? I was, I think since Santa was three years old. Yeah, you're right. I think so. so you know, I was coming and going so at the time. So it's 17 years, yeah. probably. Yes. And yeah, I remember, Nico. did you talk about Gordo? Did you yes. tell anybody? Yeah. Yes. I met we Gordo. talk about Dalmatians for a while. Oh. Well... Yes, I've known all her Dalmatian babies, and she is a dog lover, but not only lover, like Miriam is an amazing, in-tune person with her dogs, and yes, and the compassion that you have, like fostering mm -hmm. the dogs, like not a lot of people do that, and I think that is an amazing quality that you have. Oh, thank so you. it's wonderful. And also, you know, did you, did you, did you talk about Miriam, how she's been trying to help you um, understand a little bit more about the craft of... We haven't got there yet. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I want to actually... But you know, well, I do want to, like, I want to, like, could, I want to keep on, like, like, how you, like, were super close. I mean, like, how you got so much... You were so friendly with the cast of the Lord of the Rings and the crew. Oh, because it was a family. And your love of, and like your fascination of New Zealand <laughs> and the New Zealand people that you've oh everybody the people in the business that you've encountered it was you had great stories about them. But first, well, no, so I just need to know exactly. Now, okay, now here's not what I wanted <laughs> to ask you. I really wanted to ask you exactly how. In the world, did you get into the Hollywood business in the oh, first place? What gave you? Where okay, did, where so, did it all happen? How did it so happen? I don't call it a Hollywood business because it's limited to Los Angeles. Hollywood is a city in Los Angeles, an industry there. Um, I think that it's very important to understand that the film industry now is not just Hollywood, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I think that it's amazing, amazing work of film done in. Mexico, Central America, South America, India has amazing film yes. industry. Asia. Yes. Asia is just, it's just growing. Uh, and England. Know. My favorite is mm -hmm. the wow. UK and New Zealand, you know. But I mostly New Zealand. Well, I mean, you know, when they can have that kind of production because it's a small country. But 
it's kind of like everybody had this dream that Hollywood is the place to go. Uh, and it's now because of that was maybe 25 years ago. But mm -hmm. since the the growth of the internet and the global communication, the global the the access to film in a way where you don't need the crew that I just show you here because that is the studio crew. Um, films are now being created at a different scale, at a different level, and was uh, it's more accessible to be a filmmaker today than ever it was. And um, so for me, it wasn't. It was I was first a, a, a dancer, and as, as a dancer, I started working in in some TV series uh, back in New Zealand, in TV shows, commercials, things like that. And then I started choreographing, and as a choreographer, you start getting in touch um, with producers and casting directors, and they start calling you, and that's you know you start building mm -hmm. uh, your network of people you. Um, they trust you because they like what you do, and you trust them because you like how they create. But and Miriam, if I may, so where did you start dancing? Oh, I started dancing in Argentina. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. she—that's where she, you're from. So I, that's where I'm from. So yeah. Cynthia. Yes. Yes. And her family so too. Her family Rosario. is from Argentina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So my family is originally from Argentina. Yeah. yeah. And so you started dancing at a young age, or? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Since a little girl. Yes, okay. and then I, um, one of my godmother, mm -hmm. uh, not my real godmother, but someone that I yes. we call my godmother. Um, she was um, the assistant director of the Argentinian Folkloric Ballet. Okay. And um, so through her, I got access to learn um, tango, tango. And, and ballet. A folkloric ballet and all the folkloric dances. So for the people that don't know what folkloric ballet or dancing is, you were trained first in classical dance, yeah. right? Yeah, jazz, ballet, tap, okay. all that. And then you moved from there to folklore. With folklore, for the people that don't know, it's more like a regional dance, like to well, the country. People, or? everybody knows where Ashanti Tango is, but Ashanti Tango is limited to Buenos Aires. It's, mm -hmm. it's to, a, to an area of Buenos Aires. Argentina yes. is a big country, kind mm -hmm. of like Mexico, yes. where each region has their own traditional oh, okay. dance. Okay. So the the company, the folklore ballet company was created by uh, Santiago Ayala and Norma Viola. And they they wanted to create a representation of those regional dances at a level that was had a narrative. National. Yeah, so yeah. it was national narrative because when they travel overseas, um, if you don't put a narrative, in, it can be like, you know, difficult to understand what they're doing, you know, with the boleadoras on the stage or yes. things like that. So it's from different provinces of the Argentina. The different areas of Argentina, different style. You know, Argentina is a very big country, so mm -hmm. you have the gauchos doing the malambo, and then you have the coyas on oh, the north wow. doing the carnavalito. So it's, it's a... It's I'm pretty ignorant, to be honest. Yeah. I, I only know the gauchos mm -hmm. and the boleadoras, which are like little, what are they in, like in English, how do you Well, boleadoras are three pieces, three stones mm -hmm. wrapped in, in leather with ropes. Mm -hmm. And they, the gauchos used to throw them to hand um, animals. Yes. They will get it to the legs and yes. that's how they will get the animals. Imagine that from a horse. They were doing it on a horse. Yeah. Isn't it incredible? So it, it is, you know, through the folklore, but I never stopped doing jazz because okay. jazz was my, my favorite. 
And then I did a few trips to New York where I went to several jazz schools there. Uh-huh. Uh, I did a summer intensive at Alvin Ailey. Um, so every, I, I, I fell in love with the um, anthropology of dance. It wasn't just the moves that interested me, but the story, where they came from, what representation. So that's why um, when I was asked to help with, with the Lord of the Rings, it was so interesting because the brief that we got was so historical and it has, was such a narrative uh-huh. that that's why it was such an enjoyable experience. You were asking me what I liked so much that it wasn't just teaching steps, it was like um, Shauna created a wonderful choreography. And Shauna then McCullough. We, uh-huh. we infuse a few touches of uh, history of what the, I remember Peter Jackson said, we want a dance that is not difficult to do. That is something that this COVID might have been doing for the last thousand years and they've been passing from okay. generation to generation at a social level. Okay. So that's what it was. And, uh, and that is for me folklore. Oh my goodness. You know what I would love to do? What? I would love to watch Lord of the Rings with Miriam. (laughs) And you know how you have the commentaries? Remember uh, Mystery Science Theater? Mystery Science Theater. Where they were like. Um, Are you you're familiar with that show, Maria? When they comment and they, they, they have a yeah, yeah. Oh, in this moment, in this? Joel uh, Crow and Tom Servo, yeah. they would just watch the most worst movies ever. No, but made this would be an amazing and, and riff on them. Listen, you don't have to watch a movie; it's about five minutes because <laughs> the scene took two weeks to shoot, and I think what you see in, uh, on screen is like three minutes of dance in between uh, two of the hobbits making a mess with the fireworks and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, what about dancing? How about fights? Did you, did you choreograph? I only, I only choreographed one fight mm-hmm. and it was for uh, a play Okay. here in Miami. And it was, um, actually I choreographed a couple of fights in San Diego too. But here, I, one of the most difficult fights was um, for Man of La Mancha. La Mancha. Ah, oh. La Mancha. Man of La Mancha. Yeah. Wait, it's a musical? Yeah. The Man of La Mancha is a mu- uh, un musical. It's a musical. Musical based on uh, Miguel, Don Quixote. Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, Don Quixote. <laughs> what a name. That name is just. El Quixote de La Mancha. <laughs> but that was a difficult one because it was a fight where Algonza has to defend herself from the three guys who want to take advantage of her. And, oh, sorry, you know. we have in the background some noise because we hear people. Derek, uh, another yeah. guest from our... He's a, he's a regular. Today and is Doc. A, today I'm is a party a and Doc is coming down I'm now. So Doc... What, are you want them to join in? What? Yeah, the dog just arrived too, so oh this is dog goodness. and son, right? So, so we have okay, well, here. Look, well, it's the pride and joy of the family. Well, the entire family is going <laughs> to, everybody here is just going to get on my nerve. I'm going to go upstairs real quick and get my phone that's charging. Okay, and, so. And you people just like continue giving me help. Hey, We're hey, hey, this is your this podcast. podcast. This is your podcast. Come on, wait This is your. I'm just getting my phone. Hey, everybody, he's having a tantrum on the air. So, okay, Miriam, so, well, okay, for everybody, Derek, 
One of our regulars is here, and the doc is here, and along with... Pride of Joy of the family. No, Mariana. No, Mariana is not... Mariana has just got a bag of chips, that's it. <laughs> and then we have Duke. Oh, we talked about calf. Duke already. All right. So, so Miriam, for people to know that maybe they've never heard this, even fights in movies have to be choreographed, oh, yeah. correct? So a lot of people don't know that fights have to be choreographed. What else is choreographed? In, um, just for us to know, because that's your, your maybe your one of, one of the things that I, I've been doing a lot mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the last few years is uh, what we call um, uh, movement choreography. Movement choreography is when a, an actor has to play a role, like for instance, he's blind. Movement uh -huh. choreography? Yes. Or uh, an actor has to play like a Tootsie role, you know, like a, someone who is a, a, a man playing a woman, for uh -huh. instance. And if that um, character is a woman from the 1950s or the 1940s, the behavior and movement will be very different to the today. So um, you don't, I don't choreograph move my move, but I teach how to move that way so it can be incorporated. See, this is what fascinates me. It's amazing to understand once that you talk to somebody, a professional, how much detail goes into a movie and how much we're, we, we give for granted, I think, take for granted that what you're saying, you have to take into consideration the era Mm -hmm. Right, that it's taking place, the age of the person, um, and what's happening. Even walking into a room, it's choreographed. There is a there is a role in musicals called register. Not all musicals have that, but if you're going to be doing a historical musical, yeah, um, you have a, a person who will be bringing the historical reminders throughout the rehearsal process. Okay, so um, it doesn't lose credit. The, the credo of, yes. you know, like if you sit in a play, like, I don't know, Miserables, which is, you know, certain time in history in France, y unless you are doing an interpretation like Hamilton, which you bring it hip hop into it. Okay. Uh, but if you want to keep it historically correct, mm -hmm. you need someone to be calling, you know, the accuracy of the move, the accuracy of the costume, the accuracy of the um, behavior relationships things like that and did you do that in the lord of the rings no also? no no and lord of the rings i didn't do that but what i did that? it in a lot of, of plays especially in evita when i choreographed evita oh tell us about now, evita wait, can you believe that something? musical <gasps> or film musical no no musical oh yes yeah, that was so amazing thank you yes <laughs> now, what, was the what was the first um evita production that you did the choreo was yeah, the choreograph. Well, no, Evita was created in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. yeah, back, no, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I did it in New Zealand in 2004. 2004. Do you remember mm. who, the act, the, who the cast were? Oh, yes. We had um, great, great Eva. She, Eva was from the UK and Che was from Canada. And our Peran was an amazing actor from New Zealand, George Hanare. Yes, I, I remember each one of them. And, and uh, the director, um, Dave McClinky, was from, Michael McClinky, sorry, he was from the UK as well. It was an international. 
And this play took place where? Where does the production? Argentina. No, 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 no. the production. The where production was in Auckland, New Zealand. Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you but were it in was charge a touring, It was a touring company. Okay. So one from New, from Auckland, and they went to different cities. And I did the choreography for that. Wow. Um, and the key element of the choreography, and that's why I was so happy to work on that production, was because the director did not want um, ballroom. Usually when you see a production of Evita, the dancing has a, a ballroom yes. feel or a, a Broadway feel. Yes. Um, he just wanted Argentine tango, like true, original, of the time, Argentine tango. So if you if a scene was in the 1930s or 1940s, the tango from that time to the tango of 1950s is very different. So you see that during the show, you see the changes. So so think about this, Santiago, and I don't know, to have Miriam, the choreographer of Evita, she being an Argentinian, Miriam actually being raised in that culture, raised and professionally trained to be a tango dancer and choreographer. So think about the quality of the play and the quality of the dances that that musical production had, just because Miriam was there. So how experience makes a difference and also what you were immersed and, and raised with, how you know, how well, well versed you are. Yeah, in, the in this particular production too, um, the, the director was so interested and so invested on having a true representation of mm -hmm. the Argentinian um, idiosyncrasies, feeling yes. that he not just wanted steps, mm -hmm. he wanted behavior. Yes. He wanted um how the men walk in real life in yeah. Argentina in the 1950s so it was a lot of not just career and movement and it was also a lot of his we had to do a lot of historical research with the leads because they were not familiar with Argentinian history and so they you would teach them about history see yeah. this is so interesting he had he had um Mango had this amazing concept and the cast was very receptive. I work in productions where the cast, once I finish rehearsal, they leave. Um, the particular cast that I work for with Evita, um, once we finish rehearsal day at six, seven o'clock in yeah. the afternoon, we will all go to this wine bar that was across the road, and all the questions that were related to historical moments okay. related to the rehearsal, yes. um, that's when we, we did a lot of discussions, research, and, you know, mm. behavior. I mean, I obviously not, I'm not a contemporary of the time. No, <laughs> Maybe but you have of the culture. But, you know, because of my culture, but we did a lot of research together as to make Eva... Um, credible? I don't know. Not credible, but just, she is such a, I mean, if, if you played one layer, in one level, if one layer, you hate her from the beginning, mm -hmm. or you think that she's, uh, you know, um, opportunistic. Opportunistic is, is a good yeah. word, Princess. but yeah, and also you okay. know a diva or yeah. oh, or, or someone with a complex of inferiority because of what <laughs> happened to her father, you know, things like that. So 
there are lots of layers on that character. So in order for that character to be at, to, for the audience to understand why people idolize her, you need to give them that person. Well, I have a little bit of insight. I don't know, Santi, if you know about this, but I talked with Miriam because we're friends and we've known <laughs> before. Tell Santi to, you know, it's amazing. I think your audience should know how, to what detail Miriam went and how, you know, how far she went. Tell them about those shoes. Ah, <laughs> the story I of the shoes. I love that story. Um, so we were in the middle of uh, probably like second week of rehearsal and I was not getting the, the look that I wanted. And everybody was working with um, the typical cabaret, musical, Broadway show. Professional show shoes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the professional ones. Those shoes have a shape and a heel that is not what an Argentinian tango shoe looks like. So I I called a friend of mine in Argentina, one of my, in New Zealand, one of my. He had been a tango student of mine, and then he developed a business with tango shoes, bringing tango shoes from yeah. Argentina, and then he's a great dancer now. And uh, and I said, can you bring a case of shoes to the rehearsal? And I talked to the um, the producer, and I talked to the um, uh, designer. Uh -huh. We were blessed, blessed. Every everybody on that in that team was amazing. And I said, I know that is probably out of reach to get Argentina tango shoes for everybody, but can we please get them for the leads? Okay. And see them, you know, just to try and see how they go and see what you think. The moment they put them on. The guy who played chess, he says, now I'm Argentinian. Ah. And he completely changed wow. his dance. It was just like incredible. It was just having that Cuban heel that yes. made him a, a different dancer. And, um, and of course, the production invested money. On. They did? They did. So imagine, <laughs> they got what, the shoes. imagine to the point, so in choreography, what even the shoes make a difference on how you have the outfit, how you actually have and you know, in, especially in Evita, if you if you don't invest on the costumes yes. and in the in the wigs especially, it just it's not believable, okay. you know, because it is so true to certain time in history and the quick changes that the lead has is just ridiculous. So they had to be incredibly well constructed, and so there were a lot of antique pieces. Uh, in her costumes, a lot of, uh, wow. um, yeah, I don't know where the designer got them. I mean, the costumes were amazing. amazing. So what happened after, so you were asking her, so what other no, shows have you, but, how other? But, but you never said, you never explained to me what was your very first actual job or in the business. Oh God. Well, remember I was a dancer, so yeah, I used yeah, to do a lot of... Yeah, in New York and like in I used companies. to do a lot of dance shows. We had a dance company that did a lot of mm -hmm. the Latin American, okay. know, the salsa and the samba. Yeah, 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 Brazilian. all that stuff. So that's, that was my, my first performance, serious performance, yes. because I did a lot of on the side, uh, was through the dance company and we did that, I did that all the time I lived in New Zealand. But your very first like actual job in the business was, do you remember? I don't want to say the year. Uh, <laughs> no, like on a production, like what was it? A production. The, the production was Panama Dance Company. Okay. Pro probably is one of the first ones that we did okay. in New Zealand. All right. Yeah. But 
No, I remember something once you told me that uh, you like uh, were involved in Xena Warrior Princess one. <gasps> Love her. Lucy yeah. Lawless. <laughs> yeah. Was that actually was that your first one? No, no, no. What happened is that Shauna, the the choreographer, yeah, Miss McCullough, yeah, choreographer of uh, Lord of the Rings, she has a. Uh, still, she, I still believe she has a, a casting agency for talent agency for dancers and choreographers. Okay. And um, so every time they needed movement or dancers, uh-huh. um, they would call her agency and okay. and I work in the agency as, uh, you know, in, in the casting part. All right. And um, so we did a lot of castings for 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 all the series of Pacific Pictures. Uh, it wasn't just Cena; it was Hercules, it was Jack of All Trades, wow. um, it was uh, Cleopatra. Um, so all of them, I, I work on all of them. And you were uh, working there as a choreographer. I did the three things: I was a dancer. In some of the episodes, I was a dancer. In other ones, choreographer. In other ones, I was just doing the casting for yes. for the show. Oh wow! Yeah. I've seen a picture I'm of Miriam with all that <laughs> tanned, yeah. golden. I think you showed me a Show us, show us, show with Lucy. Sorry, viewers, you can't see because with is, Lucy, right? This is PG. <laughs> yeah, it was with Lu- well, some was Lucy, some one of my my one of the fun episodes that I worked with. Uh, Chuck of all trades. I think that Let me guess. Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. You told He's me hysterical. that. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> uh, Ash Williams from The Evil Dead. Yeah, he, he on set with Bruce Campbell. It's just like you don't stop laughing. <laughs> did, did you torture him with fan questions? No, he like doesn't need it. Being he, best friends with Sam moment, Raimi? The moment he has an audience, he starts talking and da 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 da. He's just. Fun. Yeah, he just. Well, did uh was did Miss McCullough did she it was like she uh, close was she, was she best friends with Sam Raimi was she friends with Sam Raimi was this, that why no um, is that how you got the no book? no no it, I think you're confused um Sam Raimi and Lucy Lawless husband went to college together her Sam Raimi and her husband Lucy Lawless yeah Lucy Lawless's yeah mm-hmm. Lucy Lawless's husband and Sam Raimi went to college together mm-hmm. that was I think it's and Bruce Campbell that's how they know each other well, yeah I mean how else do you think they were they how else do you think he got to got him to play Ash in the Evil Dead uh, I don't know that's another story <laughs> I don't get it. you can read his biography he talks about it in his biography which, by the way, he presented at the um, Miami Dade College book, book, you know. Wait, thing. Sam Raimi was at? No, Sam, uh, Bruce. Bruce Campbell was at Miami Dade College. A long time ago, like maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago. 10 or 12 years yes. ago. Yes. Yeah, it was on a book tour. Um, sorry, the one she's asking, is, I think, believe it's this one. Oh, look at you. Was that the one that you showed me? This is the one with um, the Caligula episode. Caligula. Wait, was it a time travel episode back? No, this is the Caligula episode, and I think... Um, That's you? Yeah. Between those two <laughs> guys? What? Let me see. It was like an episode, like, like Caligula. He's like, That's you? 
Gosh. Okay, so that's our, Miriam. All the people that cannot see this, she is gorgeous, dead gorgeous. Which was like In 20 years ago. Dead gorgeous. Like 20 years ago. No, she's still gorgeous. She is gorgeous. When of was course. that episode? Okay, so for those people that don't know her, she has the most amazing, beautiful eyes. <laughs> that's what you were going to say. <laughs> no. And her hair is like, she has a melena, what we call it in Spanish. Which is always in Miami weather, it's always What is a melena in English? Mane? Mane, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most enviable hair ever. And the smile and her posture, amazing. <laughs> she's just... She's just a professional. She is. Yeah. saying. But Isn't Miriam. She? And her laugh. I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah, the laugh. Oh, my goodness. You kept but talking that's, about That was tea. my first show. <gasps> that's you? Let me see. Is that you? I want to see. Oh. Wait, is that you? That's yes. me. That's when so was that? I was seven years old. I Swan was doing Lake. the Swan Lake. I seven mean, years? No, no, the dying Swan. <laughs> oh, my. Mm-hmm. That is a professional. Well, for the people that don't know, it's Swan Lake. It's a classic. Tchaikovsky uh, ballet. Okay. Who's that? Are those the two same guys? Yeah, they're the same guys. We used to do a lot of work together. Hey, one of them looks like... This is a 1940s look. (laughs) That's also in Xena, right? No, no. This was for for, um, another musical. (laughs) What was the musical? A musical called... Formed a musical with amazing duo of comedians in New Zealand called the Top Twins, who I love to death. Farm the musical. Yeah, imagine New Zealand, of course. Oh, super cool. It was a funny time. You've got such a great fascination for New Zealand. I mean, you're. you're yes, a, I have a big, big, very incredible connection with that country. I don't know why. <laughs> so you're not from, you're from Argentina. I, I was yeah, but she Argentina. lived in New Zealand for a while. I always thought you were from And that's where she got work. Oh. I moved to New Zealand in 87. What? 80s. I got married to a wonderful New Zealand man. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, so I started, you know, like two months after arriving, I already was in the dance studio there. I was welcoming. It was, it was just, it's a very special country, very special people. New Zealand? Yeah. I want to go there. Oh, I've never been there and I want to go there. Do you want to go to New Zealand? Yeah. What a shout out, Miriam. Why don't you give a shout Let's out? Let's go to, to New Zealand once the pandemic is over. Let's yes. all go together and we go to Hobbiton. I think you're going to love Hobbiton. You got so many like you I don't know if you want to take him with you. Some, <laughs> oh come on! You want to talk about Atlanta? <laughs> no. What happened to Atlanta? Oh. Oh. We're not getting into that, okay? You probably have to get him a New Zealand cap. Episode <laughs> All blacks. <laughs> no, you're gonna probably have to listen to like episode sixteen or seventeen. Oh no that. no no! Delete no. But oh no, Zealand, it's already up no, there. No, but you had to tell me a synopsis. What it, was, it, was a, it was a failure of a trip. <laughs> it was oh, a, no, you're going to have to listen to episode 21, which, I, which was on Independence Day. I did it on Independence Day. One of Santi's best performances <laughs> <laughs> would have to be called uh, Atlanta. <laughs> no. Okay. You've come so, across so many people in the business. I mean, like, well, I mean, like, a professional, 
like actors and like directors and stuff. Yeah, but you have to think of something. It's very important to understand that they are people first. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So living in a country like New Zealand, there are no celebrities. I mean, yeah, there are people that are more into no, than others. I know. But yeah. you get used to having that relationship. For me, you know, I, I admire the talent and their uh, technique, expertise, or whatever. But as people, you know, they're just like you and me. I know. So when I, when you come across, when you come across the people, it's just you. You have the same respect that you would have with someone else. And I learned. I mean, didn't realize that. But by having that behavior, that's what people that you connect you like. Exactly. They don't like. <gasps> Can I you give me your autograph? I have a question. <laughs> okay, tell us. Excuse me, sir. Can I take? Can I speak? What, yeah, what, do you, yeah. what, what do you have to say? Right, so, Miriam, you keep talking about this team, team, team thing. I keep thinking sports, you know, team. So in order for you to work on a team, what type of players are they looking for? What type of teammates would, would you want on your team? These people, like, every day, right? Like, it's like 14, like, number hours one, days, right? Number one, you had to be on time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, is that, yeah, is that. And especially when, I, when I'm in a directing position. You show up late once and you get blacklisted. Okay. Wait, I get docked my payment? No, no, no. You don't get called again for another person. You know, once you sign a contract, you're stuck with, with you're that stuck. person. <laughs> but then they will never call you back. But you, unless you are very, very talented, uh, Robert Downey Jr. kind of talented, and so you can put up with this guy being late and whatever, uh, usually at certain level of production, Lateness is, it just costs a lot of money to have all these people waiting for someone to show up. I've heard a saying about that, that when you're on time, you're late. Yes, right? you have to be early. So to be saying early. like you have to be there, if they t call you, let's say, give me an example, if they call you at four? 3.45. For instance, no. filming and filming and Zina, sometimes the call for Zina was at 4 a.m. Yes, and because how do you need to be there? You need to be there at least 10 to four, at least. Oh, I see. Because, I mean, it's night, <laughs> and and when you arrive, that's when they take you to the different so trailers. So at least fifth, twenty minutes, fifteen to twenty minutes before the call time. For for you know, ten to four is okay. But if your call time is ten a.m., yeah, which happens sometimes, they they stagger the call times yes. depending on the scenes that they're gonna shoot. If your call time is at ten, and you know there's gonna be rush hour to get to the set. You had to leave early because you had no, to. No, I know that, yeah. but so th so, in order for people to understand that being on time means being early. Yeah, I mean early. You had to be on time. Yeah, that's one. Okay. The, the other thing is you had to be prepared. You know, if you show up on set, whether it's a stage or whether it's film, television, and you don't know your lines. No wing it. No winging. No, no, not just not just like you can prepare your character, but please know your lines. <laughs> Okay. Because, especially in theater, when you had to to maybe memorize a whole monologue that is four yeah. pages, you know, you that's not me. because it, because the director has a has an idea of how to wants to to set you know block as they call it <coughs> market, and if you had to stop constantly 
calling lines. You know, there is a process of two or three weeks of rehearsals where you you don't have to be off book. It's okay. But when you have to be off book, be prepared. Okay. Okay. Um, and also to be, um, in Spanish, we say compañerismo. Compañerismo, yeah. right? Uh, com camaraderie. Um, being a, a team player. A team player. Diva, being a diva doesn't get what, you. What's a diva? Define a diva. <laughs> a I diva is someone who thinks that can be late and be unprepared because she's so Missing. good or uh -huh. he's so good. Uh -huh. So an attitude. So those people that are, that think that they're the hottest. I have seen every single person and I when you are directing or when you are choreographing you are also a psychiatrist mm -hmm. because a lot of people that I have worked where the first week were kind of a diva is because they're scared and that is the defense mechanism oh. so when you start digging into and you you know it's a lot of a lot of conversations that go one-on-one -on -one with mm -hmm. with your cast and then you realize what works with each each one each uh, to take direction. You you don't you, you can have a way of giving direction, but depends on the level that you work. Sometimes, if you're working like with community theater, you you just cannot have the same demand that you have with professional theater. You know, people are in equity. Um, there is no time uh, to to teach. Yeah. Right. Uh, community theater, that's what it is for, is a lot of teaching about the craft. And uh, that's why I love working in community theater. Because like a lot of uh, developing talent and mm -hmm. a lot of people that I have worked are now working in. But the attitude is, um, so you say attitude? Some people have attitude because they have uh, a, a, a problem remembering lines. Maybe they are wonderful, so they use the attitude to cover up. Yeah, but there's the no, the ones that think. But there are people who are obnoxious. Oh, and here's another thing I want to ask you. All right, because I know that since you were a director. I know oh, you guys and you know what's the first one? What? Be prepared to change and take direction yourself. Thank you. Wait, change yeah. wardrobe or flexibility? You know, I I prepare a choreography. I show up on set. The the dancers do it. And then the director comes and says, you know what, that angle is not working, can we change this? I cannot be both oh. fussy and say, no, I'm not changing yeah. anything. You, you adapt to the situation because you work as a, as for the, the, the best result of the scene, mm -hmm. not just your dance. And follow oh, okay. the, so you mean like follow directions from the director? From the director. And be flexible. Yeah. I think what you're talking about applies in life for every job it's a representation so of life. if you mm -hmm. are an accountant and you don't show up on time to your or an attorney you don't show up to court on time right or you're a teacher you don't show up to class on time okay it's a big no-no uh, if you don't know your material or you don't know what you're gonna teach or you don't know your subject or you don't know your case if you're an attorney and you go to court you're you look like a like you know a person who's unprepared unprofessional or just stuck up and then what you're talking about flexibility be willing to change yeah. I think it's extremely important I think all these characteristics that you're talking about do um, reflect are, are reflected in all our professions in life also being a student right 
and very important for for all of us to have that um, responsibility. I think. And that's something that you know there is this uh, mysticism about Hollywood, Hollywood, and and performing arts, and and it's it's a real job. It's another. You know, it's a creative job, yes. but it's a job. I think you're yeah. right. People have the idea that Hollywood is all fun, games. Uh, you don't need to study. You don't need to work. Um, or not Hollywood, like filmmaking or being in theater in a play. So it's extremely hard work. It takes toll on your life. Like you really don't have a life, right? You have to be flexible. If somebody changes or the director changes the scene or changes what you're saying or whatever, you have to repeat it 20 times. And you need to be prepared for rejection. Okay, yeah. Uh, for one audition, you, for 20 auditions you go, you might get one. Or none. Or none. <laughs> so you have to be, you need to be really committed. So even if you're committed, okay, um, I think there's false expectations of the younger audiences right now and younger people that think that they're going to make it in, in film or in Hollywood yeah. or in theaters. Um, and that worries me a lot as, a, as an adult um, because I think young people see the environment through the lens of documentaries and HBO and and the fame and all the award ceremonies that look fabulous and everybody's happy right but what goes behind it it's not that easy isn't it's not that um, frivolous it's not that uh, I don't know I mean I, I love them um, Walking on set still gives me butterflies. It's something about the environment that is just the create, creative environment. Yes. And I think some people have it was crafting. And some but people it's not easy. It, you know. The thing is that I, I don't want the young audiences to think that it's easy. It's not easy. It's it's a job. And it's um, yeah, no, and not everybody makes it. it. Yeah. So I I also see all these young people thinking that they're they make a little film and they're gonna make it to Hollywood or they're gonna make it on a film festival. Well, another thing too, I think what's different with her career, I don't think it's life. I don't think it's a job. It's that's different. You have to live and breathe it. You have to actually love it. Well, for me, it was my life for yeah. for a bit, and um, like sometimes people said, "Oh, you don't have a video of this, or you don't have a, a, an image of this," and it's like. At the time, no, because, well, before we didn't have the, the Homes, equipment yeah, that we have the now. The iPhones. Right? Um, Excuse me. I'm going to head to the to John really quickly. And uh, <laughs> just nobody say a word while we take this quick break. Why don't and you pause it? And Joyce, no, there will be no pauses. I do no so pauses play. whatsoever. Where are you going to play? So enjoy a little bit of elevator music while I do my thing. Is he editing this? She loves Queen. Oh, okay. Oh, he's got married. I actually nobody say a word. I don't like it. I laugh. Oh, he's How many glasses? How many times did you see? I got it from my birthday. When my Regina comes home, she goes crazy. 
sewing with the boy. Is that Freddy? Is that Freddy? Freddy? Okay. Going on. There are two movies in life. Freddy and um, Ren. Ren? Yeah, I Since you're back, there's something I would like to ask Miriam. Can you sit down, please? What? Miriam, I know you you live in a business that you guys nothing is done off of one take, like Samuel Jackson, right? Santi, he does things off of one take. Well, just one take. Depends on the director. It depends on who the actor is or the director. But Samuel Jackson, it's just a, like people talk about it, like Leo was like he only. It's one take, but we all have to do it over and over. It takes him just one time to do it. Could it be because he's brilliant? Yeah, they all, they all say he's brilliant. They all say yeah. he's like... But a lot of actors will ask for another take. So this is what I want to ask you. Like, I know everything's not done off of one take. It takes more than one take. Yeah. So have you ever dealt with like actors or actresses that are like... They're not um, responsive to like criticism. They're like, oh my gosh, no, all I did it perfect time. that time. What do you mean? Da -da -da. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and are they liked by the directors? Um... It depends on it depends on the situation, the actor, the the time. I mean, if you're giving notes after a two-hour rehearsal run, and people are very tired, you're giving notes and they're going over their head. So it's it's also a part of the director to you know to work with the the actors on. But Derek, when they're, they're I receptive, think, I think right? where Derek is going to is the attitude. Attitude, yes. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of attitude with dancers more than actors. Mm. Fair <laughs> enough. Where they say, you know, uh, and a dancer who cannot do a move for some reason yeah. will come up with the excuse. It's like I don't like the move, so I'm not gonna do it. So, are you gonna call that dancer for the next job? Uh, all depends. <laughs> If especially, if it's, especially if it's a guy, because sometimes we are short on guys. So oh. Usually the guys are the ones who are diva more divas than the girls, because there's wow. more competition for the girls. Yes, true. Um, yeah, so it, it all depends on, on I mean, I was uh, producing a show, and I had the most wonderful dance teacher and choreographer who was the artistic director of his dance company was ballet, okay. ballet classical ballet was contemporary, and um, and we fired a dancer. 
It was the first time that I had to go through that. And um, the dancer was amazing, guy talented, uh, a guy. Okay. He was incredibly talented, uh, beautiful on stage, everything. But he was going through a time of his life where, um, you know, maybe burnout. I don't know what it was, but it was not working, you know. So he had an attitude. Happens. It wasn't an attitude of behavior of, of being rude or anything mm -hmm. like that. He just wasn't putting the effort. He was, you know, he would be at the bar and he was like, he was, he was so confident of his talent yes. and his technique that he was not good for the rest of the dancers that were working their bottoms okay. off, trying to get, you know, the, the, the cla in class, it was just like in ballet class, you would look at this guy and say, what is he doing? And, you know, so we took him aside and he, he said, I'm in time of my life where I'm not able to do this. And he, he well, we, we fired, he actually left uh, because he realized his heart wasn't it. Mm. And um, I never, ever hire him again no. or anything yeah, anything he was so attitude is a for me it was like i really like you as a person i really understand your situation but i cannot risk my production with you yes yeah. Yeah. have you ever had like an actor just walk off stage and actress like no i'm not doing this i'm gonna walk i don't like this part or so many times so many times <laughs> yes what's the yes i think that i might have that <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness, don't oh, tell so me. But you guys are like, so how does, like, give us, like, uh, a scenario. So what is, so they walk off stage, but they do they have, like, do they come back, apologize? You well, sometimes you walk off stage and you start crying. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Or it's like, <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes they might walk off stage because they hating, you know, the other person they're working on because it's not working. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a, it's real life. You know when you're in an office and the person next to you in the cubicle next to you is, is pissing you off? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so are there like boundaries that you know like not to step? Like they'll walk off stage but then there's no shouting matches. Are there like shouting matches? And then Usually the shouting matches are in the dressing room. In the dressing room? Okay. Yeah. The ones that I've witnessed <laughs> uh, have been in the dressing room wow. where I will go to call the actor and I close the door because I'm <laughs> so, so it's usually amongst the actors and actresses. They're the ones that you didn't Well, the biggest, the biggest uh, shadow match was between the stage manager and the lighting person. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just before opening night. Oh, oh no. my God. So you're telling me, I'm confirming, that there are divas, all of them. Yes. <laughs> I think the difference between performers and other areas of, of work uh -huh. is that performers maybe have a switch where they, they are like a five-year-old where it feels free to give the tantrum a place where in an office you will just be more careful about mm -hmm. expressing yeah. your feelings here is more open <laughs> because they're more creative Artistic, you mean yeah. I think I think because you are so hard on no blocking your feelings for the for the role or or like you know the main thing of an actor is not to have any any blockage yes yeah, just to be completely open so <laughs> maybe because of that wow. they feel more free to the burnout is a big issue That's i mean common. not so much well i imagine now with the pandemic must must have been really hard 
because uh, okay. el, for a lot of no for a lot of people in the performing arts being on rehearsal being on stage uh, be preparing be memorizing you know working on a character yeah. is an outlet yes and if you don't have it because you are locked at home that is a problem too and the finances because Santi, Santi could tell you stories well, what oh, are the actors or actresses are trying to do now financially well, during the pandemic how are they trying to make money uh tiktok videos no, no. what they do they do this meet and greets online remember oh cameo yeah they there's um did you know about that it's um i think it's well you know it's me who's gonna say this i think it's commercializing and taking advantage of the audience at home right that want to meet a celebrity and there's no place to go see them and then they charge for a three-minute zoom or cameo what is it something they, they charge for a three-minute or two-minute interview wait a second no no Two to three minutes. That was for fan meal, and it was actually worth my time. Yeah, but because I got to meet John Cleese from Monty Python. Right. From, that's, that's how they and, he, and he wanted for three minutes. Actually, I don't think. Okay. But then I got to speak with him for another six minutes because he was interested in what I what I had to yeah, say. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think I don't. I mean, there's two two sides to no. that. I don't think it's taking advantage. I think it's up to the consumer to decide if you want to invest money on that or not. Wait, am I the, the consumer? Yes, yes so. we are the consumer. We we, are the, the we're consumer. not the famous people. The, right. the famous people, the performers, the uh, dancers, they will produce material and they need to leave. They need to eat and they need to pay rent and they need to do that. So they're going to try to uh, market it in some way. Um, that can produce an income for them. Mm -hmm. So it is up to the consumer to say, I can justify this or not. Well, I understand that the consumer is the one that decides, but to be quite frank, and this is my opinion, is we are in a situation where people, minions like me, who don't, I don't make $13 million in a movie, or I don't have a mansion where I'm living, you know, in a beautiful mansion. I live paycheck to paycheck, right? And I'm lonely. I'm inside of my home. Well, I cannot go to a job. And I'm just giving an example of a normal, uh, you know, normal person. And then I think you that are the this person will that will go to Comic Con, pay. Hundred and fifty dollars no, for the ticket. No, no, I'm saying oh. this is the person who will go to Comic Con, pay hundred and fifty dollars for the ticket, then pay for each one of the special conferences. Will pay for the photo. Will pay for the signature. Will pay for. So there is a business on that that has been established for a long time. I agree for that. But so for these other movie stars that are not used to doing that. No, they, these are the same ones because they don't have Comic Con. Or, or cons or um, well, fairs or whatever they that. do this and again oh. it's up to if I'm living oh. paid pay you know week to week or month to month yeah. I probably will not be spending money on an auto yeah, or but or I think the situation make it makes consumers more vulnerable honestly oh, that for sure and that's why I think it's taking advantage of that vulnerability of a pandemic being enclosed not going out anywhere and then people getting spending all this money credit cards that they end up 
owning owing this money. It, it is really yeah. it is really up to the consumer for me. Yeah. I, I don't think that we can blame the actor. That's if true. anything, I can blame the person who organized it to take advantage and who sells the to the actor. You know, these are people that went to see you on the on the affairs for this or this in Paris that last year. So we're gonna just aim for these same people to see if anybody wants to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And the actor might say yes, because he's doing nothing. Not because he needs the money, but because he's doing nothing. Now, who sets the fee? The probably the guy who produces is setting a very high fee because he's taking 50% oh, yeah, of it, right? So it's, it's up to us to say, no, I'm not buying into that. For instance, I watched a wonderful Lord of the Rings reunion. It was completely free. Every single one of them, like if it was like a con, right? That's because they remember you. No, 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 it wasn't me. It was for the world. In YouTube, and it was oh 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 an online online thing. They did it completely free. Yeah, but that it was, was kind of the was beginning of the pandemic. I remember no. they were doing a lot of those things. That was maybe November last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I like about the pandemic is showed uh, an angle of the whole famous aura that doesn't get paid attention enough. Like it showed you that a lot of these people that you think are super rich are not super rich. A lot of these people are tight when it comes to finances. Because a lot of these people were doing things like I learned it when we did the cool. we went to stand up right like went to the stand up yeah. it's like Dave Chappelle brought out comics that they were like they were starving they're like yo this is like 100%. one of them was starting okay no you the first attention. one was starting okay no starving starving oh oh starving this happens a lot like he interrupts me. I can't hear, man. ADD. Well, then, then you ask. ADD. You ask. You don't jump. You don't jump the gun. Okay. All right. So then, I've learned that. So it's like they're they're becoming more personable because they start explaining. They're like, look, like we're human beings too. You understand? Like you might think that it's, this is all like glamorous, and not everybody is an A actor. Not everybody makes thirty million dollars a film. You know what I mean? You might think that, but not everybody does that. And and. Unless they're Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, but... but or The Rock. I don't even think Robert Downey Jr. makes... He still makes it? I think it's The Rock is the highest paid one. I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Neither do I, but look. But Jeff what? Ross wants to do... Of course, Jeff Ross wants to keep on roasting the living... Roasting people for like... For the for the hell of it. Because he loves roasting people. I, He's, that's what I just... I, I have worked with incredible talent that are equity equity is like the side car for a film but okay. for, for theater they are equity um i think that's marianne in the background let me tell her to lower yeah. the volume um people in equity that during the pandemic um you said they are in every single play i'm talking san diego for instance they are in a lot of the plays they are incredibly talented but if you don't have a show because of the you pandemic yeah. you know they are not millionaires because they work a lot but you know and they have a, they have a membership to yeah. uh, an association like uh, equity that allows them to have uh, a higher level of income than anybody who doesn't um, doesn't mean that they are wealthy yeah. they're just working actors right they are lucky to be working uh, and they're lucky let me rephrase they are working because of their talent and because they are brilliant um, and they have fallen in love with performing art in the theater and not in film so they work 
at a different level. These, these people, these friends of mine, have spent the whole year and a half just now they're starting. I mean, so many productions that they have lost, that they have lined up for rehearsal yeah. and performing. These are the people that, well, they are performing one show, they are, re they are rehearsing the next or learning for the next. They are what we call really working actors. Working no work. actors. Journey, they're called journeyman actors. These are working actors, not journeymen. So what one, is the difference between the, journeyman? A journeyman it was used to be for the Broadway ones. This is oh, different. Okay. Um, Broadway. Yes. Um, let, let me let me finish this up. Sorry. A lot of them had to go and get. I mean, one of my friends, who's one of the most amazing tango dancers in Italy, he's from Argentina. He's a tango dancer. He ended up working for the Italian uh, garbage company. Oh, everybody had to get jobs. You know, nothing wrong with working for the garbage company, no, not, right? But there was no work, work whatsoever yeah. in the arts. Uh -huh. And these are people that have no other skills because all their lives they have dedicated to the performing arts. Uh -huh. And if you don't work, you don't pay rent. Yeah. If you don't pay rent, you don't pay, right? Yeah. So they were forced um, and this friend of mine is so proud of, of him, you know, he, he show him doing and he learned all these other work ethics about something that he was completely, you know, I take my hat off to him, mm -hmm. right? In experience for a lot of people. This pandemic has opened the eyes to what, can, what you can do that you didn't think it was possible. Is it because you can do theater over Zoom? No, it's because you can prove to yourself that even if you cannot act, you can make, you can pay rent. <laughs> so, or, you know, so things like that. the situation of being isolated or not being able to be with people has forced people to learn a craft, be flexible, earn a living, you know, doing something else, becoming a handyman or a handywoman or a driver or, um, you know, working in Amazon delivery, yes. uh, Uber Eats, exactly. DoorDash. Exactly. Like I've seen so many people that lost their jobs, but they have to, what they call, reinvent themselves yes. in order to make a living. And, you know, this goes back to, I think that the more um, skills that we have in life, more practical life skills, the better equipped we will be in life to survive. The and most important life skills is to be adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. Social. Uh, Flexible and adapt yourself to change. Adapt so, yourself to change is so important. So. You might say, okay, I have no money right now. My job, they closed the whatever I'm working. I'm gonna go paint houses, you know, outdoor. I'm gonna be pressure cleaning outside and make a living out of pressure cleaning or doing, you know, pest, pests or cutting the lawn. Um, and now you can go out, but in the first six months, yeah, you could. when you couldn't even go out, 
that you know and then adapt to doing it online right it's incredible it's incredible like i saw the the dance classes they they were doing dance classes online Mm -hmm. and people you know making the living room mr washington was doing dance classes online he knows mr washington yeah dance teacher he's really good he's very good yeah he used to be one of derek's old professors when he was in college really good dance he wasn't my professor. He used to professor. do dance? No, that's, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm just, just asking. I'm just, I'm just nodding. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I know he's, he's, he's special to you. Yes, he is. But that's another segment. But how do you guys balance that? Because there's times that he doesn't sleep. Like, he's like, I even when he talks to me sometimes, I see the bags. I see the He's like, yeah, but I have to go to rehearsal. I'm like, bro, they're not gonna, you're not gonna get it looking like that. You know what I mean? I. That's so crazy to that's me. That's why you do it when you're young. And you guys <laughs> love pe- it. People say to me, why aren't you doing it? Because I, I almost killed myself to that. Yeah, because I know it's burnt. And that's what I'm scared you of. You love it so much. You're yes. so yeah. passionate that... You cannot say when you get a job or you say you can say no and then all of a sudden you find yourself like you're not sleeping because you're doing you know, I will be on set at four AM, shoot until seven, seven I will drive to my dance studio, teach four hours of class, rehearse another two hours, go to bed at two to be on set at mm-hmm. four. That's oh. not healthy. Which was another hour drive. So and you do that for a week because you know that the following week you're not gonna have that job yeah so you kill yourself that week then another story is like i was doing my degree at the university of Auckland. i was doing um my degree in arts administration because i didn't want to be screwed by the marketing and business side of it when i managed a company <laughs> so i said okay i need to study this i need to get i need to know the business side of the arts of course so it's like an mba so i was Studying, preparing. I was in my ex- final exam. I was directing the opening of my dance company, and I get a call to work in Hercules, and I say yes. So that week, I don't know how I passed my exam <laughs> you know, because I mean I was on set, <laughs> studying, oh on the phone for like everything related to the show of the ballet company, yeah. and it was just like, yeah. But I don't have any regrets because the following week I was at home waiting for the telephone to ring so I could get a job. See, wow. Samuel Jackson said that. Remember, he was like, that's the worst. People think the worst thing. Because when did he make it big? What age? Uh, his early 40s. Early 40s. He was yeah. working super hard. But he said something. He was like, look, people don't understand the life of an actor when they're, people only see the clip, the glamour, stuff like that. He's like, yo, I had sleepless nights. But I'll tell you one thing, he loves doing it. And he's like, it's better than not getting any calls. Oh, gosh. Because when you get no calls, yeah. you're stuck. You, you, your mind starts messing with your mind. You don't know if you should be and doing And there are it. seasons, too. There are seasons where you know you're going to kill yourself. Uh, depends on the, in the city where you live. Mm-hmm. Where you're going to have a lot of work. And then you know that for three months, it's going to be quiet. So you just kill yourself. Because you know you're going to have, you know, a break. A break kind of a break like in a few months yeah and then mm-hmm. something happens and that's when you travel or whatever so that yeah. means that you're not working in the industry 
all the time anymore? No. Okay. No. I'm semi-retired. Right? She's in health care. I work in health care now. Um, I have a few actors that they run, you know, audition pieces with me or um, they, if they have a, a monologue that they want to try uh -huh. you know, so I can clean it. You coach them? them or yeah, I do coaching. Mm -hmm. And I can do that over, you know. Zoom? Well, we use FaceTime usually. Okay. Um, Zoom too, right? I hate Zoom. <laughs> My computer doesn't like Zoom. You and me both. <laughs> so I use, uh, I use mostly, you know. Um, but what yeah. would you tell an aspiring actor, someone that wants to make it in the biz? Well, I know what it is. First of all, first of all I'm talking to Miriam. It's just I now know exactly what it is to be she, in the business. We're interviewing her. And like, can we ask? Her? I think the most realistic piece of advice for anybody who wants to be in Hollywood, in the any acting mm -hmm. uh, community or whatever, it is a waste of time. It is super hard. It's a one in a million chance, and you'd be better off as a plumber or a barber <laughs> or a construction worker or a but dentist. There's nothing wrong with those blue collar jobs because without those jobs, we would we'd be stuck. Yeah, everybody needs a plumber. Same thing for everybody going a director. Same thing for being a filmmaker and a screenwriter too. Well, can I answer what he asked me? Well, was I right about the first part? What I no. what I said? No. What I will say to someone in a acting class or someone who says I want to I want to make it as an actor I would say I don't know if you're gonna make it as an actor but if you believe you're an actor you're an actor yeah but that doesn't mean that they're gonna make it if you put the time the training the preparation for the audition you might not act in Hollywood you might act in a musical you might act in a play you might act in a com documentary commercial. you might be in a commercial you will be a working actor. I did, I did a, the Meissner Technique training, and my coach had actually been uh, uh, trained by Sanford Stein, uh, Meissner. And he said, and he stayed with me, and I tell you, when I did my training, I was your age. And, um, and, and he said, on this room, I think we were 16 students, in this room, one, maybe two, maybe three, will work as an actor. The rest will work in the industry for a while. But that is what happens. Now, you, that, he said that on the first day. You stay or you go, it's your call. We all stayed, and three of them made it big, big. And we are all very good friends still. We, I mean, I just love everybody who was in my class. And he said to us, you had to be a working actor from day one, whether is writing your resume, or taking pictures, you know, headshots, or preparing a monologue. As long as you're a working actor, it doesn't make, doesn't matter if you make it or not. Mm -hmm. That's the commitment that you need to have. That you are committed to be an actor, not to be an A-list actor. Well, what's if that happens, it? I want to ask you that. What's yeah. the difference? Yeah. Yeah. For, me, what's making it? for me, making it was Evita okay. was making it. Yeah. But that is, I do see that as you make it. That was right. Good. Making it is working in a, in a teaching, teaching the, the people of the community theater here that I work on Man of La Mancha, teaching them how to, to, to be in character. Okay, okay, but that then, is making it. It's not really necessary no. for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a realistic making it, and you had, okay, so 
I think where Derek comes from is that the younger gym now that have everything so accessible, like they want to be easy. They want to think that they're going, you, you just grab a phone and you can make a movie, right? And then they think that they're going to go to Hollywood or they're going to be this director instantaneously. I'm going to say something. Or You're a baseball player. Um, 10 years old. And someone, and you ask someone, how do I make it as a baseball player? It's hard work. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, it's hard work. Hard work beats talent. Hard work beats everything. It's the same thing. You can be talented. You can be lucky that you meet someone. You can be in the yeah. right place and the right team and everything, and it's still not make yeah. it. Yeah. So there is no guarantees in life. Yeah. And wanting it, that's the other thing that I really am very upset about this lingo that they tell young kids, whatever you dream, you can be. No, dreaming, things don't happen because you're just dreaming. You actually, you can dream it, but you have to act upon it. You have to work hard at it, and it's not luck. You know, luck is like, how many people win the lotto? You tell me. It's a bunch how of many people You can dream big, but if you don't put the time, Exa the, the training, and no. the commitment, you're not going to reach that. You will not make it. It's like my best example. I always tell them this. LeBron James. LeBron James was born to make money. <laughs> he was born to play sport, right? The guy's 6'8", 250, and jumps so the sky. And so is Kobe. Yeah, yeah, but he's more physically talented. But what the LeBron James says, what? he wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for hard work. He works harder than everybody else. And the guy has, he's the most gifted person. Same thing for Kobe. Yes, but he's the most gifted person. Now, Santi, what is making it in Hollywood for you? For you. So you see, Miriam was not, oh, I'm going to be the producer in or director of a $200 million film. No, I just wanted to, like, I always thought, like, I should, like, be able to accomplish something, like, by the time I turn 25. I mean, knew he was going to say that. That was the setup. That was the setup. I knew he was going to say that. And I, <laughs> because of Orson Welles. That's how old he was when he made Citizen Kane. Are you Orson Welles? Thank you. No. So? But I'm willing to, like, but I was willing to give it to, like, He's asking you a very, very good question. Think about you, not anybody else, else or anybody that you admire, anything. No, what do you, I, what a do specific you limitation. I had thought of being 25, but I didn't think about doing anything like, like Orson Welles did at 25. I was thinking of Seth Rogen, like when he wrote Superbad Again, and who started cares it. About Seth it doesn't Rogen. matter. No one can predict well, the I future. Ju I, just wanted to, I just want to do it before, before I get a hernia. So I, I'm, a, I'm a soccer player. I just want to be like Messi. No Messi is? Who doesn't know who Lionel right? Messi is? It, I mean, it's one in a blue moon you get someone like yeah. Messi. Oh, his, his career. Do you think that I wanted to be Margot? I don't, I don't know. Who is a famous dancer? Um, that he can relate to. Oh, Liza Minnelli? Do you think I want, I mean, that I watch her videos over and over and try to imitate her, but it was the performance that I wanted, not her career. I, I could do the same thing. If I was so you know, talented you know the at dancing, difference? I'd watch Astaire and Gene Kelly every day. Liza Minnelli was Judy Garland's daughter. I know And that. Vincent Minnelli's daughter. She was born in the cradle of Hollywood. She was on top of that. Amazing. 
Same Amazingly thing. talented. Same right. thing with Michael Douglas. He was born into like the thing of Hollywood because he's Kirk's so, son. Okay, so you cannot set yourself for failure as a normal individual watching Liza Minnelli and say, I want to be Liza like Minnelli. Like Liza Minnelli. I want to dance as strongly and as pure and as enjoyable because her dancing was always destroying it. Yes. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to be in cabaret. Well, I would have loved to be. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but I'm realistic. Mean, yeah, it's like within my circle and obviously hoping I could go one step further and one step further. That's how I relate to people I admire. So when you look at Orson Welles, when you look at Seth Rogen, when you look at that, don't don't think about, I want to be like them yeah. at 25. Your goal is not there. What no. is of Orson Welles? What is of Orson Welles? Citizen Kane. That you like. No, no, but about his career, yeah. not the movie he made, no. okay. but about him. Or what is that he had? Okay. Because at that age, he was a rebel. He was full of ambition, full of then drive. You're not, okay, but then you're not He's looking... full of determination. But you're not looking at the craft. You're looking at his personality. So, Santi, the question is, what is it that you want to be? You want to be an imitator of a person? Or you want to be yourself mm. and put forth your best effort at Santiago? Do you see the difference? You don't want to imitate anybody. We don't want. You want have an amazing singing voice. Yes. Your singing is incredible. But I have no hear... I've not heard Santiago. I hear Freddy. I hear, yes, you know. I agree with you. Right? I would love to hear you sing as you. Mm -hmm. He has an amazing memory. His memory skills are outstanding. That's what I got from you. Yes. And he could that. be having a job in the industry with his I memory. I think you can write this book. Yes, Never. from 
people involved that we didn't have then. So Santi, you tell me you can't get a job here, Santi? Look at all the amount of jobs that you oh, can have. I got a water boy. Where's water boy? <laughs> <laughs> or coffee. You make good coffee. There's no water boy anymore. Coffee boy? Yeah, they have the machines now. Oh, you got it. She's so cute. Oh, that's so rude. I think Santiago would be, let me see. Let Video me playback see. coordinator. Right. I think he would be, we would have to have just one session to know what the definition of each one of these jobs is. I'm working is. some here, but this is something that you will be interested in. When, you, when you do it an audition. Yeah, he's he, telling you, can you, you write turn the that actor's so name, you, not the, come on. who you are, as a, if it's a group audition, for instance, mm -hmm. and you start going, because this is for like a, what they call a cattle call. Okay. So you, you're saving all this audition uh, information. So when you do a play mm -hmm. in the future, when you have to cast, you have a pool of people that you have already seen doing an, a, a couple of monologues, so you have an idea how they act. Okay. And then, well, you, you need someone that, that has this look or this age group or can do oh, this. Oh, what is that called? That's interesting. This is a, a, this is a cattle call audition sheet. Oh, so this would be like a cattle casting... Call, cattle call means that you're not auditioning as an actor for a particular role. You're auditioning for the directors yes. that are going to be doing plays that year mm -hmm. uh, to know who you are, to to have a first presentation. And then, like, I, I, I went to a couple of those, well, four in mm -hmm. San Diego uh, for the Alliance of Actors. and. You get children, you get seniors, you get any age okay. group, and then you know what you have that year, so you start saving those, and then when you do it, when you do have to do a call for the audition for your play, you invite these people to audition. So it's a catalog of actors and actresses. And this comes with a headshot, obviously, I'm not okay. gonna give. It comes with a headshot, and then this is your my personal notes, and I keep them with the headshot. And then you would call that actor. So I'm doing I'm doing Britannicus this year. So I'm looking for a 16 year old girl to play Junior, and I would put Junior. Mm -hmm. Wait, you're doing what this year? No, it's, 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 it's an, an example. example of this page. Well, I think for the audience, so they know. It's, again, what is it called? It's a it's a call, um, like audition a call, call sheet. Oh, yeah, like every, yeah, okay. but it's a re it's like for for the director or the producer. So this is how you would grade them. You see something? You would grade them on their general presence, their confidence on stage, a report with auditioners, the choice of monologues or songs. So what is it that they did? The ability to take direction. See what we're talking about? That flexibility, acting ability. I'm surprised it's not at the top. Did you see that? And singing ability. So you have to sing and you have to act. Depends. If, if they, when you do a cattle call, you say actors that can sing, dancers that can, can sing, sing. actors, okay. actors only. And then they have an overall rating from a zero, from a one to ten. And then there's a portion in this page that tells you the notes that that's, the casting. That's the director notes. Like okay. I said, if I was doing two plays that year and I had a particular. Thing. actor that I'm looking at, a particular role that I'm looking for that I know that there are no actors around. You will see it in I there. I will make a note in there. Okay. I have to ask you a question. When you were aspiring to be a dancer slash actress too, right? Um, did you ever compete with someone who already made it? 
Well, you're like because summer. Does that make sense to compete with summer? You know, you know, here? my biggest competition in New Zealand was that I am I'm Latino, uh -huh. but for New Zealand, I was not the image of Latina, so I lost a lot of commercial to Polynesian girls. Oh my god! Because I didn't have that what the look of Latina was. Uh -huh. That's interesting. I I wasn't like necessarily someone that was more capable. It was. Uh, you know, especially in commercial, it's all about look. Yeah. Look first, acting later. Um, so yeah, I missed quite a few. Okay. I mean, wow. I'm half Italian, and I couldn't get the Italian role. <laughs> it will go to the, but, it will go to the Polynesian but girl. Does it make sense to compete with someone who already made it? Like you, you look at person like, oh, but when she was this age, she was already doing this. No, no, on the contrary, because it all depends on the level, the level of production. If you are working with equity actors and the whole production is equity, you don't even get called to audition okay. because it's an equity production. So if you don't have the equity card, you will not audition. The same with SAG. If, when they call, when they do the audition, it, things have changed because now it's all done online. A lot of the castings are you sent a video and then you might be get, get called to read with someone else. Okay. But if you, if you are going for a commercial, sometimes, in, this is an interesting story, um, there was this uh, television movie that was going to be filmed in Australia, which was a very, very interesting uh, take on um, a tango dancer and singer in this nightclub. That was this, the scene that was going around the calls. And she had this line. So the, the audition wasn't singing or dancing, it was a dialogue with this other person. And this tango dancer, singer, whatever, and this cabaret, she was from Argentina, okay. all right? Uh, living in Australia, in Melbourne. So I got calls, because it was going to be a big series. At the end, it didn't shoot. But I got calls from very famous New Zealand actresses that wanted to speak with me so they can, could work on the accent. So I did, you know, it was fun. Mm -hmm. And also I auditioned for it. What we didn't know is that the person that was playing the character was supposed to be like a Victor Victoria thing. It was a guy dressed as a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a very interesting story about uh, the military government in Argentina, and that's why she had gone to Australia. I mean, it, the dialogue was beautiful. I really enjoyed working on it. But yes, everybody was going for that role. So, but then at the end, it didn't film. So I don't know what happened with that. It didn't, it didn't film. But that's how one of the few ones that I probably was going for that other okay. well-known well New Zealand actresses were going for. I'm talking like, like for personal like goals, like you're like, oh, okay, when I'm at, like, I want to be this at this certain age, and but this because this person was that at that certain age. No, each person follows, for me, your own, your own, you know, trajectory. And, and like I say, when I was really working on it, before I moved to the state, when I was really working on film and TV and all of that, you just don't have a breather. You just, you know, keep going. And and <clears throat> the producers they start calling you directly. They say, "Who's your agent?" Okay, I talk to to the agent, and they offer you the job, and then they go to the agent for finalizing. You know, it's it just get to a stage where okay. you don't have time for that. You just move and move and move and move. Oh, I was so busy. <laughs> <laughs> Before moving here, I was really busy. Yeah. So, 
I think it's been a learning hour and a half probably. I just wanted to ask. This is a very long podcast. Oh, you should have listened to my previous one. Okay, but so. I wanted to like get to ask Miriam. I have a mental list of all the people that you worked with over the past maybe 30 years Mm -hmm. in New Zealand or in America. Uh Uh-huh. I wanted to like just throw out some names to her see what she remembers about so like a game so like but not a game not a game okay so let's do Uh, it fast other than the the cast of the lord of the rings oh please so do you want her to what what you want is to throw her a name and then you can say let's do this you can say a quick oh no here i'll just do it lucy lawless stunning Okay. Stunning. <laughs> Next. Yeah, but what you worked with her on Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules. Um, yes, and a, a couple of um, events like, you know, Christmas in the park and things like mm-hmm. that. Okay, next. She everything, like, besides being a, uh, whatever sexual orientation uh, ancient princess she was, she was a great person, a very nice person. She is beautiful inside and out. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, I mean, adorable. Very, very nice. Okay, next. Carl Urban. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> uh, Bones, Bones McCoy in the new Star Wars reboot and Billy Butcher in The Boys. Oh, but he was also in the Lord of the Rings films. He, he was in, in Lord of the Rings and I worked with him on ADR for it. ADR is what again? Additional dialogue recording. And what was, uh, do you remember what you were doing or you saw him in the studio? I was facility manager. And he must have been. Oh, I mean, he, he came. Been. He came to do ADR for one of the scenes on Lord of the Rings. ADR is, is what they do when they film. In his particular scene, there were like two hundred horses, so <laughs> they need to do the dialogue on top of that because the horse. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, ADR is a big thing. ADR and, and foley um, are, are two things that you add layers to to wow. the scene. Okay. Let me ask. One. What do you think of his performance in The Boys? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Well, I think he kills it. He's playing a British, like former, a former British agent. And he just is a hard ass who just doesn't give a damn. Okay, next. Cliff Curtis. Oh my gosh, a god! He is a brilliant actor, beautiful person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where did you work with him? What did you work with? What him? did you work? With? Uh, the series Mataku. Series Mataku is a, is a Maori. Twilight Zone. Oh wow! Yeah, you can watch them on YouTube. The Twilight Zone? It's like a Twilight Zone, but with Maori legends. What's it called again? Mataku. That's um. That sounds like a. From New Zealand. It sounds like a language. It's a Maori. Yeah, it's a Maori. Okay, next. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Mm. I work with him in um, Jack of All Trades, and it's just hilarious in real life too. Mm -hmm. Okay, next. Uh. Either Sean or John Aston. Sean. Sean. The son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he told me that you got that uh, whatever gig for the Lord of the Rings because Peter Jackson worked with Sean Aston's son. No, Peter Jackson worked no, with Sean Aston's father. No, no, I didn't say that. I said uh, that. The Frighteners. Okay. Santi, listen. I said that John's father worked in The Frighteners. Yeah, John and Aston. Sean, the son, is some in Lord of the Rings, but not. He didn't get one job because of that. Okay, next. Yeah, that's what I meant. 
John asked me. What I remember most is the scene that I work with. One of the scenes that I work with with Sean is um, his little daughter. She plays the baby at Mm -hmm. the end of Lord of the Rings. And she was just so cute. And they even had the little feet for them. (laughs) That was just so cute. Okay, so next, what other? Hmm, let's see. Uh, wait. Why don't you ask her? What? It's all about name dropping. I feel so yeah. uncomfortable with this. Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi. Um, I didn't work with Sam Raimi. Oh, you did? No, but did you meet him? No, no. That no. sucks. Uh, Sam Raimi, no. Um, well, Peter Jackson is 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 just he's a magician. Yeah, and he's it's and all... he's he's such a, a low key and mm-hmm. you know. It's your typical Kiwi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Very nice. Down to earth. And he or... is so knowledgeable. Oh, okay. Of in this particular one, but it's just he's just wonderful. Um I d- uh well uh, Can I name drop? No, he can't because he's gonna be sarcastic about this. Oh, he's man. gonna be he's gonna be direct. Lionel Messi. I don't know him. Because he said his name. Because he's from Argentina. No, I don't, I don't. I I met his brother when Nico was playing soccer in Barcelona. But, oh. Um, oh. And um, and then Tomas playing the same team with Agustin, who is the nephew. You know. Oh wow. But I I only saw them one. I, ne- I never okay. met Leo. <laughs> and okay, so can we ask Miriam then? How many other people have you actually Wait. had the pleasure to? So I'm, I'm going to ask you. From all the people that you know, which memory has? Uh, it, I'm not saying who is the most famous, who's the nicest. Who's your most? Fa- which is your most no. favorite memory? Which is the exactly. best memory? Like or of a memorable of anybody you work with? A moment that you work with where it's not actually a person. Mm-hmm. It's the moment. Okay, was the moment that we drove into Hobbiton location uh-huh. with Shauna, and we got to the top of the hill yeah and security came to open the gate it's yes. in the middle of the farm and i was like i was watching ben-hur the production of ben-hur <gasps> the horses the villages Wait. the hobbit and it was just like you mean you were imagining as if you were it was like like that kind of, it, because like it wasn't i was so used to a set, a set. Okay. and it was a set i mean they have built Lot of the rings, you know what <laughs> I mean? The town. And it was it took my it took my breath away. And oh, and, wow. and Shauna says it was just for me that was so, that's so a it's, sad, it's the moment, it's the first time that I said, This is Hollywood. Or this, this is, is d- this is not New Zealand, this gigantic. is Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And okay. and I think that's the moment oh, for me. More so than nice. a person. Yeah. So it was a, me- a beautiful Do you memory. watch the, the trilogy all the time? No, once a year. And I watched the three together. <laughs> Even the Hobbit. Well, that is that is an amazing ending, I guess. Well, I just want to say, well, if I can just say Thank something, you. which I really want to, All right. I just wanted to ask really quick: if you had to go back to the the business, uh-huh. who would you wish you could really work with? I'd love to work with Peter Jackson again. Okay. Mm, would you think of working with Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland? Nick, Rick and Morty. You asked. You asked for one person, so she okay. said it. I'm just kidding about Rick and Morty. 
No, no, my gun was saying. Well, I know everybody in the, the, the Cooperman household loves that, <laughs> that show. That, that's the boys. <laughs> the boys, not her. The boys. So, so the question was... I'll tell you who I wish I had guy. the pleasure... I'll tell you, I, ha- I want to have the pleasure of working with nobody who is going to make me realize I'm never going to make it in the business. <laughs> that's and how you're going to finish not. it? No. Okay. Oh, no, I'm just being realistic. You're right. Maybe there is an opportunity for me to be a plumber, a doctor, or a physician, or a masseuse, or I'm not. I'm being realistic. Or maybe a soup chef. Or maybe (laughs) diva moment. Or maybe I can work in a Taliban. Listen, there are lots of working actors that work as a sous chef. (laughs) Okay. So so let's let's end it up. Let's end it up by saying thank you, Miriam, for this. Fantastic Amen. opportunity. Yes, thank you so much. And I also needed your to I also brought you on this because I needed your help to like help me like uh get on like a daily basis of watching at least one film a day, which is so hard for me because there's so many to to, to choose from and I don't know from which era to, to Okay, so you will be so maybe you can work on that. If you have any recommend be, How about that? Could you give these people some you recommendations? <laughs> What would you recommend to these people? So out give there? us three classics or three recommendations. Films. I'm gonna Recommendation. I'm gonna tell you the three movies that I watch okay. more than ten times. Cabaret. Right. No, wait. Let her let her say. Let her say. It's her. The Sound of Music. Uh huh. Obviously. Cabaret. Uh huh. And all that jazz. All that jazz. So uh, two Bob Fosse's and one Robert Wise. Three musicals. Yes. Three narrative musical okay and there are three musicals that although they have a lot of dance they are character driven mm-hmm. that's why i'm so attracted to them all right so you've got those for the for them uh, for i have uh how about how about you work with miriam you you she'll give you a list work with miriam on what on on developing a list that to watch. Oh, I, I can do that. Well, she, you're asking her. I just don't need anybody to tell me that I'm never gonna make okay, it. Okay, so no, something. Which is let's, true. Let's finish this. Rosita, what are the three movies that you watch more than ten times? Never. I've never watched a movie more. Well, maybe you know the the movie that I've watched more than probably Star Wars. <laughs> Miriam, you're a big fan of The Mandalorian. Mm-mm. No. Star Wars, yes. Star Wars, yes. So oh. the trilogy, I probably watched it more than 10 times. Um, what about you? Me? Hmm. More than 10 times. Which one? What'd you say? Pulp Fiction. Oh, that is one. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, Who doesn't? Who yeah, doesn't? That I guess Pulp I have done that too. I've done it too. You're going to laugh, but I love Mary Poppins. Oh, me too. Oh, you do? Oh I love Mary Poppins. I love it. I don't you know, know why. why. I, I probably have seen it, it. too. That was the first movie that made me cry. I, I thought was... that was the greatest movie. Yeah. I, like, it was just perfect. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was okay. just perfect. Okay. The, third? Okay. the third one would have to be, um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, Friday After Next. <laughs> a movie that comes on TV and you watch it even though you have watched it 500 times. And you cannot say Elfer, It's a oh, Wonderful Life or one. Die Hard. Oh, I know which one. Which one? Which one? Joss. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> even, even though it comes up, I have to watch it. Like I was last week, I was watching it again. You know, the first it, time I, I watched that movie was in the middle <laughs> of summer. <laughs> the first time I watched a movie was in the middle of summer in Mar del Plata, which is uh, like Miami Beach, uh-huh. and no one was going on. Of course, <laughs> no 
Oh, see, it was right see, the since I, since I, I saw, I uh, watched um, Jaws. I don't go in the deep ocean. <laughs> Nobody does. And I am so not only is your favorite movie, but it has also traumatized you. Yeah. <laughs> so how about you, Santi? Okay. How about your top three? three? I've seen more than how what? many? More ten. than once. No, uh, more than ten. At least ten. I've seen like oh, I've seen The Departed seven times. All right, what else? It's because I'm a Scorsese fan. Mm -hmm. I think, yes, Pulp Fiction more than three times. Okay, and the Tarantino last one? Tarantino fan. And the last one, it has to be... Ouch. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, we I need to say one from you, too. I'm going to tell you. Oh, there you are. What? <laughs> for me? What is it? I think, no, for me... I think I forgot like Disney movies, and I think Cinderella. I've watched it a thousand times. You know, I forgot like when Derek was saying like, "Oh, Mary Poppins." You're right. Like I've watched those movies when I was young, and then with my children again. Okay. Okay. Classics. I got another You're question. Right. I got another question. Well, you just answer that. What? Of the Disney movies, which one is the one that you have watched the most? The most. Okay. Disney has so many. Like I love Disney. Well, which I one is the most. the most doesn't mean that it's your favorite it's the one you have yeah. watched the most the most oh my gosh mm. Mm. so yours is Cinderella mine is Cinderella for sure the cartoon right the, yes, yes the original Aladdin Aladdin for you Aladdin. no for him me <laughs> no it's not how about you, <laughs> you? Well, I, I don't know waiting. I don't know about a <laughs> Disney movie from well, all the Disney movies, the the, the, char the characters, the cartoons, which one has been the yeah. one that you have watched probably the most? I think I know which one. Which one? Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh? Oh my gosh, you probably. do remind me of the donkey. <laughs> Your <laughs> yes! I am not like Eeyore. Which one? How about you, Miriam? My one against yes. all the left is not the Dalmatian movie. Oh. It is Peter Pan. Oh my gosh, uh, you took it out of my mouth. Peter it's Pan. It's the Dalmatian movie for me because I love the jazz. Which one? The jazz. Oh, the jazz scene. Oh my yes. gosh, the jazz. The Dalmatian is the 101 Dalmatian. But everyone watches Peter Pan. Peter Pan. But so there's different Dalmatians. She's talking about the original, like the, the Disney original. one. It's Do you think beautiful. he's delicious? Yeah, the the jazz. The drawing of that one is so So which favorite movie do you think? I thought you watched... Who, but which Let's one see, do you think you watched the most from Disney, from I the know. cartoons? Leaving Neverland. You have? Oh, no, wait, that's the Michael Jackson sexual abuse allegation <laughs> documentary. Uh, I'm sorry, it says Peter Pan went to Neverland. Santiago, and that Okay, I'm sorry, there's so many Peter Pans, I don't know where to choose from. No, you don't have to choose a Peter Pan. We're asking you of the, the Disney, Disney movies, movies, which is your favorite. Ugh, um, let's see, could it be... Uh, could also be Touchstone Pictures because that was also a Disney label. Disney. Yo, yeah. we said Disney movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All the people are killing me. Say uh, it. Uh, it doesn't matter. The Jungle Book. The Lion King. Okay, that. that's a good one. But I know it's not that. I think it's Winnie the Pooh. Okay, you're right. I grew up to him. He was. I always watched him on the Disney Channel when I so was a this little is, kid. There is nothing wrong with prefer. We Who said there was anything wrong with Winnie the so Pooh? It's, it's amazing. So, Rosita, you were right. 
I think I was right. Okay, so thank you, Miriam. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to do this again some other time. Of course. Cut. Yeah, we could probably do this when you, you want. You're going to force Cut. you to watch Downton Abbey. Ah, uh, yes. No, but, that's, but Downton Abbey is really good, though. So the director it. is saying. Oh, for God's sake. What is the director signaling? Scene. Well, actually, she's not a director. She's just our friend. Scene. Alright, this has been episode 39 of the Doc and Son oh my podcast. Gosh, I made it to 39. Which, with our our 15th official guest, Miriam Cooperman, thank you so much for being on here and hoping to do this again some other time. God save us. And all the other people in the family who have driven me over the edge. <sighs> thank you, Santi, for inviting us again. Oh, you did. weren't invited. Well, except for him. He wasn't. No, no, no. You were invited. He wasn't. Ah. Neither was he. Okay. And certainly not Doggo. All right. Bye. Anyway. To delete my Good episode. Bye. Good luck. So, yeah. Thank you. We're Bye. not getting paid. Bye. Never. Never will you get paid. Thank you. Yes, you never and get me Good again. night. Goodbye.